we pray. Come Holy Spirit, give you permission to Lord to do what you desire. Make our minds, hearts, and souls fertile soil that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Illuminate the scriptures for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Then he said to the host who invited him, When you hold a lunch or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors. Hmm. What is the Lord saying here, right? Rather, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Some challenging words for us today in the gospel. Jesus speaking right here to, to the Pharisees, or the, the church is presenting this gospel to us today. When you have a banquet, you know, and so what Jesus is not saying, we need to understand this, like never invite your family and friends over for dinner. Of course he wants that. Family is sacred, very important thing. Building community, very important thing. But this is a parable, a way in which Jesus is seeking to teach that love for the poor is essential. Like it's essential. It is something that Jesus teaches in different ways. He says uh, in different ways through parables and directly through the Gospels that to love God and love our neighbor are intimately connected. They cannot be separated. They cannot be separated. St. John says this, He who says he loves God who he does not see but does not love his brother whom he does see. Like, we can't. We can't love God who we don't see if we don't love our brother who we do see. And there over and over, the the scriptures speak and the church speaks of this preferential option for the poor that Jesus identifies himself with the poor. So the, the movement of this gospel, again, is not, this parable of Jesus is not, don't invite your friends and family over for dinner, but are you living a life of generosity and a life of almsgiving to those in need? Like, is this, is this just a movement and a virtue and a habit and a disposition that is just common within us? Because this, this should be common, this should be natural to the Christian in our daily life. Some of the things, um, I was reading this gospel passage and going through parts of the catechism. You're hearing me at different times speak about the catechism. Again, and just encourage you if, you, if you haven't picked it up, pick it up. It's so amazing and so powerful. One of the sections here says, Jesus enjoins his disciples. And so his disciples is every one of us. Sometimes I think we, some of these things, they're, they're particulars to the religious life or the priesthood or family life of how we manifest the gospel principles in our life according to our state in life. 100%. What is the prudent way? But he enjoins all of us to prefer him to everything 
and to everyone. I'm going to hear again in the gospel coming up soon in the coming weeks, like, if you love mother or father more than me or son, we, we heard that not long ago, and it's going to come up again. To prefer him to everything and to everyone. And part of the preference of Jesus, again, is to love our brothers and sisters, especially those most in need. And, and he, the, the, this paragraph of the Catechism 2544 continues, and it says this, The precept of detachment from riches is obligatory for entrance into the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't say recommended. Obligatory. That if we're holding on to things, we see somewhere else. I mean, this is convicting. This is just reading through this again, just like convicting my own heart very much. That it is hard, Jesus says, for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why is it hard? Because it becomes easy for us to put those things above the Lord. That we hold on to them. What do I do when I have all these things? I don't have big enough barns. I'll just build bigger barns and put more stuff in them. And like, well, what's going to happen when we die? And then we come before the Lord. He says, then just like serve the Lord and love the poor and then you will have treasure in heaven for where your treasure is there also will your heart be where your treasure is there also will your heart be this connection and it's it's a challenge for us right it's a challenge he says this again and these are these are just Challenging words. The Lord grieves over the rich because they find their consolation in the abundance of goods. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, all right, Lord, you like coming after me here. This is, there's this, and, and, and what the movement here again is, is this connection between love of God and love of neighbor, just, it can't be separated. And actually an act of generosity, an act of almsgiving, of care for the poor is an act of faith. It is rooted in the belief in God himself and that he calls me, like he's going to provide for me and he calls me to serve those in need. This act of generosity is an act of faith. The church continues here. She says, the church's love for the poor is part of her constant tradition. It's not a new fad or these things. It's part of her constant tradition. This love is inspired by the gospel of Beatitudes, the poverty of Jesus and his concern for the poor. And here's another line that like hit me. I was like, oh man. It says, love for the poor is even one of the motives for the duty of working so to be able to give to those in need. One of the motivations to work is to be able to have resources to give to those in need. When's the last time you thought that about your job? When's the last time we thought that about our paycheck? Man, I just want to make a lot of money so I can help the poor. I mean, and then, and then when you had that thought, like, did you do it? Because <laughs> we can have that thought, and then we get it, and we're like, I'm just going to build bigger barns, right? You know, if we're honest, get a bigger car. But here's, here's in this, this challenging movement. As I was reading through this and praying Last semester, in the spring semester, we had some of the CFRs come, the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. 
who, you know, again, their, their living of this, this gospel mandate is different than ours because they particularly have committed themselves taking a, a vow of poverty. But they were challenging our student leaders, it was a group of student leaders, and they were challenging our student leaders to live this life of simplicity according to our own means more tangibly. And, and they were talking and they gave different examples and one of them just kind of stuck out because of the pressure involved in it. They were talking to the girls and like, hey girls, and I could have picked on the guys in any way, but there's a level of pressure like, hey, you got all these dances and all these parties that you need to go to. And the expectation and the pressure is you better not wear the same dress to, you know, two parties. Like, don't do it. You need a new dress for every party, right? And a new pair of shoes and all these things. He's like, why? Why? And so he just said, you know what? Stop playing the game. You don't have to play that game to have to have a new outfit for every party. Maybe just have a few. And then with that other money that you would have spent elsewhere, give to the poor. Serve those in need. And I was thinking to myself, oh, how is this going to go off all right, here with all the girls, you know? But everybody loved it. They were like, oh my gosh, like, thank you for like popping the bubble. Like, I don't like the pressure. I don't like the game. It would be much nicer to just have a few and just be happy in doing that. And then I could do this. Thank you. So brothers and sisters, for all of us, right? Let's stop playing the game. Because there's humility. And Jesus, he has these two parables together because a lot of times, Consciously, sometimes subconsciously, we're concerned. You know, we're concerned. Like, what are they going to think? Again, we take, what are, what are people going to think about this or that? I'm comparing myself. And the Lord's like, look at me. Look at me. Don't look around so much to compare yourself. Look at me. And then when we're looking at the Lord, our heart is changed. And we actually begin to receive more of his heart. So then there's this natural movement of charity. There's this natural movement of generosity that begins to come. And the scripture tells us we are in the first, it brings about a reparation and atonement for sin. Because we're loving the Lord in this way. And so there's this conversion that's happening in me. There's conversion that's happening as I'm giving myself in this way. So practically, a few things. Where do we go? One, spend less time, right, with media, especially with social media, and more time praying. Now, the media in and of itself, the, the mediums, TV, computer, social media, phone, they're, they're morally neutral in and of themselves. Now, maybe the things on them, they aren't always morally neutral, right? But the medium itself. But we need to, and it can be used for great good. Like, there's so many people who are using these things for the, the, the proclamation of the gospel, but essentially, social media exists for people to make money. Like, it has a purpose to make money. And they want to sell you things. They want, and and I guess this the other day, I was on something, I was like, oh my gosh, I really like that shirt. Oh, and then a similar shirt. Oh, and then, how do they know I like this shirt? <laughs> how do they know this? And then I thought to myself, okay, well, like, you know, I'm not going to get it. I don't need it. I don't need it. But it just, it was stuck in my head. 
And so later on in the day, I'm like, let me just search. And I like search and it's like, like oh, well, like this shirt is on sale for like $17. I mean, it's $17, you know, like what is it? I can get another shirt for $17. I mean, come on. And I was like, don't do it. And, and I, was like, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? I really, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I was like, I shouldn't get the shirt. I don't need the shirt. I was like, all right, close, close, go away, right? So then I'm driving the other day in between things. I'm like, oh, I got a little bit of extra time. They have this shirt at that store. <laughs> if they have it, I'm going to get it, okay? So I go, they didn't have the shirt. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And then when I got home, he's like, don't buy it. I'm like, I know, Lord. All right, all right. But we're all poor, and so spend less time there and more time in prayer. Because we're facing the Lord. Then he's going to change our heart, and it's actually going to give us a desire for him. And a desire for God is going to increase our desire to serve others. This is the secret of the saints, is that they put themselves before God in prayer all the time. So Mother Teresa, her, like just sitting before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament was gave her the heart of Jesus to serve the poor. We need to do the same. Second, ask the Lord to reveal the areas of your life where you, where you have, where I have an inordinate attachment to things. And he was just showing me, hey, that shirt, you don't need that shirt. What are other things in my life and your life where I have an inordinate detachment to things? And when the Lord reveals it to you, then, then spend less time doing that, spend less money doing it, and give some of it away. Where the inordinate attachment is, give your time and give your things to the poor. To go against that attachment, to attach ourselves more to Jesus himself. Again, the last thing is this, this summation here. As we're praying, as we're seeing this attachment, than tangible service of the poor. Maybe you had that thought, gosh, if I get that raise, I'm gonna give more money to the poor. Did that happen? And then even if not, are we giving? Are we giving? Because when we meet the Lord face to face again in Matthew 25, he's gonna ask us the questions and it's gonna have eternal consequences. So let us come before him today. Let us gaze upon him in the humility of the most holy Eucharist, in the poverty of the most holy Eucharist. And that as we love Jesus in the poverty of the most holy Eucharist, let our hearts be convicted to live more simply and then to give to those in need by loving Jesus in the poor. You know, actually, the missionaries of charity, if you've come to benediction and we have the divine praises, blessed be, you know, the Lord and all these different things and the blessed sacrament, when the missionary of charity, Mother Teresa added, and blessed be Jesus in the poorest of the poor. Like, blessed be him in the poorest of the poor that is there. Let us love him in that way. Then he said to the host who invited him, when you hold a lunch or dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they might invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You've been listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. 
If you would like to become a Golden Giver or learn more about what we do, please visit ctklsu.org.